Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers podcast. Your nonstop shop for everything competitive and at the common... Wait, that's not right. <laughs> anyway, <we're, laughs> we are a longtime playgroup during the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. Gentlemen, how have you been? I feel like it's been so long since I've seen you. Uh, it's actually been the shortest amount of time since you've seen us on almost any podcast ever. Maybe any podcast ever. I'm sure we did one around Most the holidays likely. after coming back. That might be close, mm. but uh, we'll have to go back in the archives. Yeah, as as I think we put on Twitter or something, we just got done with our uh, Olympic extravaganza. We took a uh, we took company uh, company paid express flights out to the West Coast for a very important conference that we all had to attend, and we figured while we were all out there, conveniently in the same place. Uh, we should uh, do some things for content, gents. And it, it was the Olympics. It, it's part three. It's good to know it as 2022. well. Uh, everyone came out to the West Coast. It wasn't for Magic Thirty. It wasn't for Magic Summit. Uh, that bookended the the time here. It is for an even better and more exclusive event. Yeah, the Hex Rangers Olympics. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Olympics are a thing that we have done every year. We've discussed the other two, so it's it's about time that we. Came around and did this one where we all come together. We decide on a series of events. We compete in set events for points. And whoever has the most points at the end comes out the winner. And they win. Usually not much except for bragging rights, basically. But doesn't mean we don't have a damn good time. It's also a great way for us to uh, play a little bit more competitively as well as introduce a few new formats into our regular rotation. Now, Julian, you mentioned the hex portion of the Olympics. What about the drinkers portion of the Olympics? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Well, okay, let's let's just get right into it. So this was our biggest and best Olympics yet. Uh, we had, I, I want to say, like 10 or 12 possible events. We ended up doing seven of them. Um, one of them was part of the drinkers one. That was the cocktail competition <laughs> because as we were all uh, – together and we had a lot of time on our hands it was only right that we got our our drank on as well as our game on um but gents what were the other several events that we partook in i think in 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 order we we started with the infinity draft um followed by budget commander followed by modern, modern uh two-headed giant two-headed giant was last Second to last. Second to last, because regular was last. And then timed and cocktail competition were in the middle. Yeah, the way we do it is uh, Chev got to pick the opening event because he was hosting, and also I believe he got last last time. He did. Um, And then whoever finishes last in each event picks the subsequent event. We all were prepared for every event, so that means we all had a modern deck picked out. We all had prepared budget decks. Um, Chev graciously, or more sadistically decided to buy a box of infinity so that we could participate in that draft environment. But yeah, that was kind of the, the general gist. And if you've listened to us, you, you know, the deal by now we we've just, we've just continued to expand it and, and do it bigger and better. So let's, let's talk about the first event, the infinity draft. Chev, why, why did you do this? <laughs> I, well, I enjoy pain. Um, this is known. I didn't think it would be that painful. Um, I think, Starting any group of events when you haven't seen friends in a while and haven't played Magic in a little while because we knew we were doing this, don't start with Infinity Draft. Um, I think I think Infinity Draft was a really cool idea, but it leans too much into regular Magic territory. It just means instead of losing to you know um, instant spells with names like Pacify, you're losing to instant spells like um, Throw a Pie in Your Face or whatever that one that Oakley used to bring. Boros aggro to victory uh, with very little infinity actually going on. Um, overall, I think it was a, it was a very good event. Oakley came in first. I think Eric came in last, and then Julian oh, second, yeah. me third. Uh, but <laughs> these weren't these weren't decks to to bring the house down, so to speak. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I even though I hate on infinity, I was like, oh, this might be fun and stuff, and I wanted to like it. But I think most of us, most of us, realized about partway through the draft that this was just a normal limited environment, and I just ended up playing Simic big dudes mm-hmm. and uh, and punching. And unfortunately, yeah, there was not much. There wasn't much zaniness 
going on in really any of uh, the things, except for opening attractions every once in a while. But even that was I would say kind of just another limited mechanic. The two really. big events we saw were uh, Eric's amazing doodle of a token. Which of course it's absolute the, insanity. The doodle, the doodle bot three thousand or something. Give it wings. Give it a sword. It gets different abilities. I'm not sure if we have a picture of that one. And then Oakley discussing how best to flip a card, and we had to have a rules discussion on a flip needing to be head over heels as opposed to just cartwheeling. Um, that that was about as zany as I remember it getting. Well, Jiv. Uh, I don't know how zany this was for everyone else, but uh, something in this event I'll never forget is having to. Uh, get stick get your head in the game to my forehead. Ah, yep. Uh, for about <laughs> ten minutes without having it fall off, lest Julian's massive creature uh, return to the battlefield. <laughs> and the hardest part of that was just keeping a straight face the entire time. Uh, just because, yeah, if you you know laugh or smile or raise your eyebrows or whatever, um, that thing is coming off your forehead. <laughs> Uh, and the, the official ruling we had decided on that for is that you have to stick it to your forehead. You can't put it on top. Which I actually I think ended up working in my favor, personally. I don't think it would have stayed on top of my head. Uh, but it did stay stuck to my forehead. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was definitely very zany. As Chev said, uh, I think it's like uh, C3000 Caricaturist or something mm -hmm. is the card. Um but that was certainly a zany event where everyone stopped and was like, all right, we've got a timer. We've got two independent judges to judge what you've drawn on there. Mm -hmm. uh, there were suggestions that what I thought to be shoes were, in fact, the base of a very phallic object. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I will personally admit, I think my fun in Infinity was greatly harmed by being like, haha, funny hat deck, and then getting absolutely walloped buy much better decks because I am not that good at drafting. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the drafting too, you, you you kind of are used to some drafting synergies from either pre-releases or regular limited environments. You kind of know what to expect from each color. But then the, the added three lines of rules text per Unfinity card where the zaniness quote-unquote lives, where you're like, how many fire, extinguish fire extinguishers do I see from here? Is this playable? Um... How many like opponents are going to be able to interact with this? And and so you're left like with with not necessarily draft things to think about, but not so crazy that you're throwing draft rules out the window. So it's a, a bit of an awkward place. But on the whole, you know, it, it set the tone for what was to be a, a wild a wild week. <laughs> Chef, let's not forget the best part of it. The self-commentation and our commentation True. in the first round. The, so good. The first Too round, powerful. great commentary. It, it dipped down after that as we're all like, please, dear God, let this end. Um, but in the beginning, when we're all full of hope and, and life, the, the commentating on these, these dumb cards was great. I want to give a quick shout out to the card Strength Testing Hammer. And believe me, I would Boo. not I would not Boo. bring this up if it wasn't an Unfinity card. But this card is actually like a sleeper, really good. Uh, if you ever find yourself an Unfinity Dreader, Eating Unfinity Draft, or like a weird Legacy Cube, because it's It is legal. eternal legal. Yep. Um, this is a one-mana equipment that uh, you equip for three, and whenever the equipped creature attacks, roll a six-sided die, um, it gets plus X plus O until the end of the turn, where X is the result. Then if it has the greatest power, or is tied on the for the greatest power among creatures on the battlefield, which, spoiler, it always is, draw a card. Uh, that Having t drafted two of those... Um, definitely kept the uh, the ball rolling in my Boros aggro deck. Uh, I'll, I'll say that much. I think Oak rolled a number under four yep. one time. <laughs> that that also helps. That also certainly helped. <laughs> Heart of the die. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler: We also found out uh, stickers <laughs> not as advertised. They don't really, really easily go back on the sticker sheet. Uh, we didn't make the mistake of putting them on any foils. Um, but we did end up just like tapping them down and keeping them scrunched up uh, when we needed to use them. You kind of Several end up using the same two stickers. Yeah. were lost also mm. due to getting stuck to other cards or the backs of cards. Uh, I know I had a vigilance sticker, and I think Julian had a menace sticker where we were like, "Where have these gone? These are so important to the strategy of this deck." <laughs> yeah, that was rough. once you start relying on stickers, you know, it's it's downhill from there. Any uh, final comments on Infinity before we, we move to events that we put in the notes we were excited about? 
<laughs> yeah, let's get to favorite events. Well, so the second event, uh, actually chronologically, I seems it was a favorite amongst at least three out of the four of us. We're unsure about Julian right now. He's a wild card. Um, I'm. I'm... <laughs> I didn't know we were supposed to write anything down. I thought we were just going to talk about it. I know, and I'm shit. making fun of Julian for having written about two <laughs> sentences total on the note sheet. Uh, hey, hey, that's more than him. That's more than him. Fucking get his ass. That's true, but... <laughs> anyways, our, our second event, which uh, I think took place the day after, uh, after we'd all cooled off a little bit after doing Infinity <laughs> stuff, was uh, Budget Commander. Uh, and I think, yeah, I mean... Just crazy event. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Genuinely... <laughs> So the much most happened. insane end yep. to a magic game that I have ever been part of. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> I guess at least as far as I went, uh, I brought my uh, a brand new, never before seen, not play tested, but also uh, maybe surprised to tech against uh, Henzi quote toolbox unquote uh, Tor, <laughs> um, who is a uh, is he a face card in the one of the um, yes. Streets of New Capenna? He's, he's okay. the Jund uh, face commander from the New yep. Capenna commander decks. Yep. So uh, our budget tiers. limit for this was uh, $50. Uh, and, of course, not saying that I just purchased the, you know, uh, pre-con and brought that. Um, <laughs> I, I The card, or the deck I ended up playing did have a lot of uh, spells from the pre-con, but a lot of cards I uh, just sort of found neat synergies with. Um, and of course, all those just like weird, big, splashy rares they reprint, like um, uh, Inferno Titan, you know, Sepulchral Primordial, all, all those guys. Um, but yeah. overall, I'm uh, really satisfied with how the deck played out. Um, and I think, uh, the, as was alluded to by Eric, the end of the game was a really clutch, I think, victory between. Um, with me over Eric, where I dipped down to, like, three life, um, and some of, some of the best magic, I think, that we've ever played happened <laughs> in, in those, like, three or four turns, where it was just back and forth between me and him, like, no one was playing, uh, with any flaws, and, uh, just, just barely came out on top, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was awesome, uh, what'd you guys think? I think, think? you hit three life, like... Yep. Multiple times. You like, might, yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think you're right. But... Um, and the, the one thing I will say about Mr. quote-unquote toolbox is it turns out the toolbox is entirely filled with guns and hammers. Yeah. <laughs> there when is not problems... a safe object in there. When most of your problems are nails or people, <laughs> then it's best for your tools to be hammers or guns. <laughs> That's fair. Yep. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I brought, uh, I think, a deck that I may have brought up once or twice on the pod before. Um, a Shrines deck. I ended up having to cut one of all of the Shrines printed due to budget reasons. And now you might be thinking it's probably the five-color Shrine that, you know, uh, reanimates Shrines. Or maybe it's the five-color Shrine that tutors Shrines. Wrong! It's the four-mana White Shrine that gains you two life... For every shrine you control. Mm. Now, I went into this event thinking, what a useless piece of garbage. I'm happy <laughs> to be rid of it for another 4 or $5 in the deck. I was stupid and wrong because that would have won me this godforsaken game. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I was able to keep, like, at the end of that game, I had, like, six shrines out, I want to say. And Oak just kept blowing up, like, two of them. Three of them. Two of them. And the deck did exactly what I wanted it to and exactly what I hoped it would do, which is either continue to cycle in new shrines or bring them back out of the graveyard and loop those resources, which I think is something that Oakley and I shared in common, mm -hmm. was our game plan was things that are hard to remove that we can get back. Because in a $50 budget deck, it's really hard to include enough artifact and enchantment removal. And I think it really also helps to... when uh, two of the decks in the pod don't have enchantment removal against a <laughs> uh, a shrine deck. So while well, you know we're not we're not saying anything about um, deck building, but we were up against a um, a blue Talran deck and a red black Torwauki uh, finishing out the pod. So 
of the Grixis colors, enchantment removal is not really their strong suit. Um, Black can deal with it sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> potentially. Do you mean, do you mean one, one card? card. Oh, I thought there your... were two. I thought there were two. One is a target opponent sacrifices an enchantment for three mana, which is Look at that. Hard I'll to, sack that uh, O-ring I put Tor under. <laughs> so there's definitely some teching that's going to be done if this uh, continues to be the pod. I was incredibly proud of the the one... I knew that Oakley would be playing a graveyard deck of some sort. I was definitely thinking it was going to be the uh, Chainer Dimension Master we've seen a few times at $50, or even a um, version of the Grey Merchant of Asphodel deck we've seen. So I actually could not recommend higher uh, Weathered Runestone. Um, the Call Time... That shit was wild. The Call Time 2-mana uh, Graftigger's Cave, that all cage, that also hits um, just all non-land permanents as opposed to creatures, which coincidentally enough also helps against shrines um and it's like 20 cents versus the three or four dollars for graft diggers so that felt incredibly powerful um and you better believe that liquid metal torque is going to find its way into a a build near you sometime soon um i i had i had the liquid metal torque we did the thing one time i remember one time we did the thing (laughs) i had the um the honor of being removed first after a somewhat scary i think it's rise from the tides um which brings a tap 2-2 zombie onto the battlefield for each instant and sorcery in my graveyard. Uh, it, it unfortunately telegraphs a bit too much in the late game, which is where we kind of were. Uh, so Oakley made the executive decision to remove me immediately, which certainly wasn't a, a bad one, all things considered. But I got to watch the, the chaos unfold from the, the sideline relatively early on. Uh, it was also that gigantic gin you had, uh, the, the, the X4. Right, the the X four Jin from Dominaria United that also makes instant and sorceries one less was a great pickup for for that deck, and it did get pretty big. It does have flying, um, pretty powerful. I it, this was my first time playing with Talran too, and uh, Talran draws a, a lot of hate, uh, so I was glad I had the protection in there that I did. But it was also super fun to play a deck that's while I have been playing Toshiro for a while, which is also another spell slinger deck. Just playing blue and having to focus on all of those triggers, all those different things, was enough of a different mindset for me that it was really, really exciting to play, even if it led to a early defeat. <laughs> say what now? Did you just say that you enjoyed playing blue, Chad? I enjoyed playing a $50 blue with uh, a bunch of cantrips and a few counter spells. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. We'll, we'll take that, we'll take that, we'll take that. Anything you want to say about Tor? I, I feel like they're, especially the start of game one, Tor was absolutely moving mm-hmm. tor had to get so kicked a I, few times i was gonna say tor tor is a deck that i've i've played various inc- incarnations of it because i've been brewing with it since we started playing with the fellas on the pdh pod on their uh, monday stream so i had some pdh versions of that and i knew i just wanted to take that and just be able to play some some better uncommons and, and rares and stuff um so i got some good pickups unfortunately after a pretty explosive start like turn one soul ring into rakdos signet um, and being able to play Tor on turn two or three, um, he just did not stick on the field for, like, at all. I literally cast Tor for 15 mana, um, at, like, before I died. Uh, and in, in between that time, when I was attempting to cast him, I, uh, I drew a lot of lands and not a lot of the draw spells or removal spells that I had in the deck. So, unfortunately... My contribution was not as not as big as I would like, but you know, I, I I got to do a little bit of stuff. I definitely played some good control in terms of um, killing uh, Eric's generally smaller utility creatures, killing Talrand a few times, um, and I had some removal spells to deal with some of Oak's big stuff. But uh, I didn't, I wasn't as explosive as I was hoping, um, especially since every other turn was just me paying an absorbent amount of mana for my commander. <laughs> But uh, I will say, as someone who got to watch the insanity unfold and, and see all the angles, um, that was just... it was. Chev and I just kept looking at each other and we were like, there's no way that Oak can come back from this. Then he would come back. We'd be like, okay, well, I guess I, I, Eric does, sur- surely doesn't have any more gas in the tank. And then he would just be like, okay, let me, let me rebuild my entire board. And it went, about, it went like that for about five turn cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually, and then eventually the tide turned. But it, it, one of the most insane... Uh, games of commander that i've games of anything that i've seen in my lifetime for sure it's a a little uh, fun thing i thought of during julian's monologue tor had the uh staying power of an infinity sticker but um i like it it's good it's funny so, you know it combines so, you know another thing and, uh <laughs> stickers An- another thing that i think we should mention 
the reason that Tor couldn't stay on the field, one, people, <laughs> because I got off to like a, a, a fairly quick start, people, like Eric hit it with an O-ring, Chev, I think you hit it with uh, a removal spell at one point. Um, there were like six board wipes yes. during that game. Notably, Blasphemous Act, I think, was cast three times, maybe four I times. I think I cast it three times somehow. The, the Blasphemous yes. Act, the third or fourth time, was what ended the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after, so, yeah, I think, I think it was me casting it initially, then uh, Timeless Witnessing it back, which, yep. Timeless Witness, by the way, great budget replacement for Eternal Witness. Um, oh, yeah. And then, later in the game, like, towards the very end, uh, as was mentioned, no. uh, casting Harness Infinity... Which was a really fun spell to be Jesus. able to play to just switch hand and graveyard, which my graveyard was massive at that point, like probably thirty cards, and then just cast it again for you know the, with the little man I had left. Um, you know, who is that? Fuck, who is that goddamn? Uh, I forget if he had persister, the opposite, undying, yep. the scumbag who killed me at the end with. Uh, yep. Flare of the hate bound. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate bound that guy. I hate him. <laughs> yep, uh, totally understandable. Uh, I, the I think the creature that persisted more uh, in the fight against Eric's deck was Woodfall Primus, yep. though, who I think over the course of the game probably took out like four or five shrines just with like <laughs> enters the battlefield. Maybe I blitzed it, destroys a non-creature permanent, dies, comes back with persist. Destroys another one, then, like, I reanimate it later. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, Eric, there was one card, the the card with the rope counters. What was that? That There was a pretty big oh. point in the game with that. Yes, that was another one of the board wipes. Uh, <laughs> fraying line yeah. is a, it's a card that I don't think anyone has ever read it once and been like, I perfectly understand what this does first read through. Uh, so what it does is... <laughs> You play it, and then you put a rope counter on a creature that you control. Pass the turn. The next person can either pay two mana and put a rope counter on a creature they control, or do nothing. If they do nothing, all creatures without rope counters are exiled, and all those with lose their rope counter. You exile fraying line. And this goes around the table until someone finally doesn't pay two mana. The way it worked was uh, Oak was sitting to the left of me, I played it, didn't uh, put a rope counter on one of my enchantress creatures. Oak paid for one of his creatures. Chev immediately was like, exile Oak's board, fuck that shit, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Chev also crucially countered a board wipe before this went off because the entire problem we were having was Oak's creatures were so recurrable. Fraying Line was finally going to exile all the critical ones on board. So Oak tried to wipe his own board, which I thought was a super interesting moment, and uh, Chev ultimately saved us from that game state. And I think we we were going to take a bunch of damage if Oak's board died, yeah. which ultimately or, huge. Yeah. Well, I think it was that it was a decree of pain, so I would have drawn like twenty cards. Yeah, it was the card draw <laughs> that really. Um, <laughs> I thought you also had a creature that did damage whenever anything died. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think that guy was dead at that point, uh, but that mm -hmm. is Stalking Vengeance. Um, mm. I, I don't I don't know if he was out at the time, but yeah, fair point still. I was going to say, another, another uh, thing that I was I was huge on for, for Chev's deck was, I forget the name, but the guy who says basically whenever you cast an instant or a sorcery, Gale. you get to cast one of the other ones from your graveyard. That uh, was very crucial in getting a lot of like reality shifts pongifies just back mm -hmm. so that once again we could exile either key pieces of oaks board or you know just nuke other things and stuff um this was this was when i started drawing all the land so i was just like hey chev you and i are buddies right let, let me let me let me help you out here let's think through this you know um but uh but yeah that that card was super impressive um and so was riptide laboratory chev uh, use that to save a lot of his uh, key wizards um, several times as well. What so. I figured out in a mono blue uh, budget deck is most of the creatures are wizards. So you can take advantage of step through a PDH staple with wizard cycling. Uh, you can take advantage of Riptide Lab, which has been reprinted and is now like 30 cents. Um, a lot of the good stuff. And yeah, Gale, I think it's Waterdeep Sorcerer. He's one of the Baldur's Gate legends with Choose a Background. Has 
also been in contender for uh, replacing Toshiro if that deck ever wanted to become more powerful as opposed to more unique. But the ability to, yeah, whenever you play an instant, you can play Sorcery from your graveyard. Whenever you play Sorcery, you can play an instant is super, super strong. Um, <laughs> especially uh, at, at a level like this where we talked about there's not a lot of removal or, or options available. Overall, strongly recommend trying out a budget with your friends. It's crazy to see just how much power you can fit in $50. It's something where you don't have to... Like, even $50 is certainly a lot, but you go to your friends and you could be like, hey, what if instead of, like, doing something moderately expensive, like, we all just get budget decks? Or what if instead of, you know, the next time we're all going to build a deck, why don't we all build a budget deck, save ourselves some money, and, like, it is a whole new, like, format down there. It's crazy mm -hmm. how different it feels while still feeling like strong magic. My favorite part of the whole budget deck experience i think is that there's a degree of not caring as much if you lose or get like wrecked because <laughs> uh, we later played some more budget games just like for fun and eric you know during the week and eric's deck was going off of course and you know this deck as opposed to have spent like you know five hundred dollars or whatever on it and being like um oh man this crazy deck you know i put all this money into it you know there's always that kind of subconscious thought when you lose like that but um, you know, spending a tenth of that, essentially, to, uh, to, to build a deck, uh, is just, you know, it's different. It's like, you know, yeah. you lose, whatever. It happens, yeah, you're back yeah. to, like, you're back to when you played Magic when you first got into it. Yeah, for sure. I believe the cocktail competition was next. Uh, Chev selected. Yes. Yep, because uh, Chev went out. Because I, yep. I got knocked out first. Cocktail competition. The one it was originally going to be King's Cup for for this one, and then switched it to uh, cocktail competition because King's Cup, the way we set it up in the rules, only had one loser and three winners, and by that point we we needed more point differentia differential. So uh, cocktail competition with first, second, third, and fourth made a little bit more sense. Uh, that was event number three. Uh, similar to we've done two cocktail episodes as the Hex Drinker so far, where we try to make cocktails based off our favorite commanders or some other brew. Um, both of those have been some of our favorite episodes to make, so we thought, why not bring that into real life? Uh, which included going going to Bevmo, uh, a, a California staple for for alcohol, picking out whatever we wanted to make our our unique beverages, and then spending a little time in the afternoon, kind of putting them together and uh, in, in, inviting everyone else to to come taste them. We almost had a celebrity judge as well, but the rain kept them. Um, out because apparently it rains in Santa Barbara uh, right when the two East Coast people show up. <laughs> I was gonna say I was like I was like what do you mean there's a drought? It's been downpouring for three days. Yeah. <laughs> that's not I apologize to our California listeners. That's not funny. I'm sorry, but it was it was uh, a weird coincidence that like yeah. Uh, but overall, cocktail competition super fun. Um, mm -hmm. All of our drinks are pretty good and uh, led to. With a combination of other events, uh, me swearing off of alcohol for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh, so, that also, that was part of it. <laughs> that Tuesday, um, a lot was consumed. Uh, we we decided, well, it, it was a lot. And we were glad to, to take some time off the next day, but made sure we were back in action for Thursday. Um, True enough. I think the biggest thing I liked about the, the cocktail competition uh, was... We continue to expand our horizons in terms of like how grandiose and how out there we want to try and do things. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone kind of is continuing to not only just get like, well, get better at it is maybe not the right way to put it, but we're trying to do new things and, and increasingly trying to get more creative with it, which is good. So eventually, eventually we'll, if you put all of us together, we'll make one whole bartender. <laughs> no, I think we're yeah, I was going to ask when you said adventurous. Better. Did you mean our drinks or the, the, the Olympics as a whole? <laughs> oh, no, no. I meant the drinks for the cocktail competition. I, I meant like at the part of that part of the cocktail of the Olympics. Also, notably, the, the only yeah. event we had that didn't involve magic uh, whatsoever. It mm -hmm. was just, you know, hanging out, which I think is important to do with your close friends sometimes. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Take a break from magic. The boys. Everyone gets sick of magic the sometimes. Boys. That's okay. That's part of the game. <laughs> Take some time to... Uh, Hence why we didn't also record last week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of us recorded. Some of us did record a lot. Um, the rest of, of us recorded split a bottle of wine time. and uh, had a banger of a time. 
<laughs> Bachelor uh, party. I, listen, I had a banger list. of a t- I had a banger of a time. I was just a I was on the microphone. I wasn't in the kitchen. <laughs> I think that brings us to event number four. Uh, Oakley came in fourth in the drink competition. It was a a two two way tie uh, that required some going through, but alas, the the chocolate peanut butter slipped to the bottom of the four um, and allowed Oakley to bring in one of the events that we've honestly been trying to do for the last year. Uh, ever since the last Olympics, so we're proud to make a 60-card debut here. I will say, this was my personal event. This was my personal favorite event. This is the one that I enjoyed the most. That's that's great to hear, Julian. What did you enjoy about it? <laughs> so, I... It was... I don't know. We, are, we always play Commander for the most part, and as, obviously, with House of Commons, we've been... Chev and I have been focusing a lot on competitive pauper. I've been playing a lot of other card games that don't have multiplayer formats and stuff so i've been very much in the very much in the meta competitive sort of realm and just being able to net deck a good deck and just try and play it to the best of my ability no politics no um you know random other person casting blasphemous act and therefore ruining my and my opponent's board state you know stuff like that uh it's just one-on-one uh good clean stuff and um also being able to play four of stuff so nice to have redundancy uh yeah so i don't know it was just cool and i've i i think behind you oak i've been the most the biggest advocate of trying to get into these other formats especially since we can just proxy them or play online and stuff um so yeah i I was i was huge on it i also love my deck i thought everyone for the most part picked cool decks um who do you think didn't pick a cool deck uh well Oak 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 wrote that he played an awesome deck and I don't think his deck was that awesome. I thought it was very Oak. Uh but Eric, I feel like you just got that's like a double that's like a double strike insult. <laughs> um no no but uh Oak Eric I liked your choice of deck. I just think you got completely shafted by what the rest of us... Uh, I, and I personally feel bad about your and I's games. So why don't you tell people what you, what you wanted to play? Yeah, I mean, th- this is something that uh, I'll, I'll definitely expand upon a little bit later. I played Amulet Titan. Key element of Amulet Titan is non-basic lands. Uh, a key element in the psychopaths who were building these decks that were winning <laughs> tournaments. Because I net decked. I don't know modern well enough. I went, looked at the top three Amulet Real. Titan lists. Picked one, downloaded the wrong one because I'm stupid, (laughs) followed that up with realizing this deck's solution to Blood Moon is don't run into it. (laughs) (laughs) Simply And tell us, did you did you not run into uh, it? (laughs) No, I did several times. I was also enlightened in uh my first series of games against Oak that not only does Blood Moon, but Alpine Moon also destroys Urza Saga which these per- mm-hmm. people were choosing to run at four of, which I understand you would like to go get your uh, amulet for your amulet Titan deck. Uh, allow me to let you know, it's not going to live that long. It won't make <laughs> it to three. Blood Moon will come down on one or two, and then you'll feel bad about yourself and your decisions. <laughs> I think for me, modern was like a half enjoy half not i love the idea of doing more 60 card and i think we talked about this afterward which was like when you're playing a 1v1 sort of experience you don't have to worry about any politicking both of you are here for the same thing and (laughs) the social contract is just you're both here to win and that's it and so there's no extra bs that goes into it at the same time never have i felt like modern horizons has done more damage than when we were playing modern three of our decks ran ragavan my entire deck was essentially relying on like three pieces from the modern horizon sets being uh doughty Voidwalker, ragavan and blightning skelemental which of the three is the most <laughs> exciting uh but on the whole it's like okay you know these these two two plus sets dominate the, the entire format it felt like uh and even from you know uh what i saw from the the other decks as well in also, the experience of Modern might be tainted by the last game that Oakley and I had, which um, Oakley weird. played a Blood Moon. I was drawing no swamps. I was in red-black. And I played a uh, Chalice of the Void on one, which against a, a mono-red Modern deck did a lot of lifting to the point where the deck was a stalemate until Oakley was able to activate the channel effect of, I think, Crucible of Sokenzin is the... Yeah, yeah. From Neon... Um, the red one. Dynasty, <laughs> yeah, the red one. Makes two one one colorless spirits and just boop boop 
yep. every every single turn, and that's what ended it. And I was like, this is the most boring end to a Magic game I've ever played. <laughs> Brutal. Um, and I know all Modern isn't like that, but I, I definitely, you know, we, we were worried about Modern Horizons cards in Commander, and then we're, the Commander's always like, oh, looks like we absorbed them okay. Uh, but there's been a lot of devastation in their wake. Um, it'd be interesting to see, like, if we if we put a time capsule and we're, like, modern from uh, 2013 and earlier or, like, 2015 and earlier. Because, I, I mean, I played modern on uh, Modo for a while with a, like, mono green uh, aggro deck when Grizzlebrand decks and stuff were a thing. And that was, like, super fun and you keep running into different stuff. Whereas here... It was pretty clear that while different flavors, red, red, black, and red, blue, all of us had a pretty similar sort of style to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd definitely be down for that, like a flashback modern set um, with some, you know, some cards that we've seen banned, unbanned, and vice versa, mm-hmm. um, and also just an entirely different meta. Um, I remember that, that time, Chev, in college where we played modern on moto during algorithms. where you can play primal <laughs> command and feel good about it like yeah. my deck locked with primal command and just kept sticking their lands on top of their deck mm-hmm. and that was that was it and then swing for victory with something else yep. thrag tusk all the all the cool yep. cards yep. you're telling me i can play some splinter twin let's go <laughs> i'm sure we can find an era that we'll all be like this is gonna be cool mm-hmm. oh well shit we can get eric his birthing pod deck <laughs> love that. I, i'm telling you I, I just need an era where not everyone will play red, and then because it's been around for a fucking eternity, I'll just play Amulet Titan again. <laughs> Go all the it's way back to when they had it's summer the format that's That shit wrong. was crazy. <laughs> it is the format that's wrong. Thank you, Chev. Because it is it is 100% the format. I played Is It Murktide? And let me tell you, Murktide Region and Ragavan are dumb fucking cards. My second choice of deck would have been four color good stuff. I, I would have gotten shafted either way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I will say, I, I played Eric and uh, I game one. I just, I had, I, my opening hand was Blood Moon and like a couple lands and like a couple removal spells. And then turn one or turn two, I drew Blood Moon again. So I played Blood Moon, and then we were just kind of chilling. And then Eric found the out, and he was like, okay, all right, we're good. And I was like, are we? Blood Moon? <laughs> Blood Moon 2. I felt Electric like blue. a trash human being. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, yeah, just to go over mine really quick. Um, I know Julian said the deck wasn't sweet. Uh, he's wrong. Uh, but it is a very me deck. Um, it is a mono-red prowess deck, which plays... Um, you know, only two Ragavans. I mean, come on, it's not you know, it's not that bad, guys. <laughs> you only playing two Ragavans? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't seem right. Hmm. Um, but it it is based on a um a deck list uh, and a video that corresponds with it by uh the famous Reed Duke, uh, which I will have linked in our notes. Uh, and I mean, you could probably find it otherwise, but. You'll never know if it was the exact deck I played unless you look at those notes. <laughs> I, 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 talk shit, I talk shit about the deck. Uh, I, I will say I think me, your, and I set was some of the best magic and the most uh, rewarding magic that I played all That's weekend. Um, or all, all, not all weekend, all week, I should say. Um, for sure. It was, we both had very similar game plans, and it was just... Sometimes you went fast enough and under me, and sometimes I just got too big and went over you. And then the last game was uh ridiculous yeah, it was frankly <laughs> um it was it was yeah it was it was exact lethal it was uh, both of us using every single resource uh that we possibly had um so definitely very much enjoyed that set of games and um part of the reason why i enjoyed the the event overall mm-hmm. agreed Hell yeah. so in case you uh, couldn't tell amulet titan did not take home the the trophy with modern uh but it did get to pick the next event uh, Eric, what, what was the number four in the in the lineup? Uh, five. Five. five was uh, again based on uh, the the responses we're seeing here. Another heater event, uh, chess clock commander. Uh, it was an idea that oh yeah I had had and felt I, I think that I had it right. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Because, like, we had talked about Timed Commander, but I was the one who, like, proposed, like, the chess clock setup, right? Hmm. Yeah. Um, where, essentially, we agreed that we all get 18 minutes. And now, having played it, I think we could safely say we all get 
honestly, probably 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it depends how hard you want to go. I think 15 minutes would be a good one because then you're like, this game will be an hour. Um, yeah. We did play with time left on the clock. We <laughs> Granted, our game that counted for points was a little bit unique, um, which we'll get into in, in a minute. But overall, I think it really depends. Like, do you want to be racing against the clock where you have less than a second for each action? Or do you want it to just be a way to keep you all on task? Because I think chess clock commander can do two different things. And one is commander is known for taking a long time or people just like sitting there on their turns to the point where everyone else gets bored. And yes, this is something that affects more deck, some decks more than others. Uh, but it's, are you trying to drag a long game shorter? Or are you trying to make like racing against the clock a key component of gameplay? Um so I think there's there's some knobs we can tweak. Uh, ours was 15 minutes, and I think the overall game took 10 minutes max. Um, yep, because we each spent a minute and a half, and I think you spent maybe five. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah, it was it was tight. Chev's five minutes were largely spent doing the math of Crater of Mana, Crater of Lethal. Success. <laughs> yeah, Chev, 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 we, we, we all played like established decks that we've talked about, but you played a brand new deck. Why don't you tell the people about the deck and also how you won in spectacular fashion? Yeah, so I, I brought two new decks to the um, Olympics. I, I brought Talrand uh, featuring a fancy um, altar done by Brad, our friend on the PDH pod. I had this idea for, for Talrand, and that could be a, a different sub thing. But I also wanted to bring back Elves. Because Elves was the first um, EDH deck I ever made. Um, I remember, you know, we've talked about it in in lore of Hex Drinkers as super strong. And I thought, can I make another strong elf deck? We've only gotten more elves. So is this possible? Uh, Timed Commander was the first time I think it came out. So the answer was yes. Uh, it includes a lot of the elves from Call Time. It includes a lot of the, the callbacks from cards I already had. Um, this deck goes goes fast and it goes hard. You're trying to use Reese the Exiled to keep your life total incredibly high um, while also swinging in and, and making a massive board state. The uh, I think the, the unsung, not unsung, the, the very well sung hero of every deck played with elves is Eladomri, um, I think Lord of Leaves or something. Uh, two mana, all elves have Shroud, all elves have Forest Walk. This is a very strong card and unfortunately on the reserve list, but I found a copy on Card Kingdom uh, that was like well-loved or whatever the category is called for the same price as an Allosaurus Shepherd. So between the two, I decided Shroud might be uh, more fun than Uncounterable. So get that <laughs> down early, um, get enough mana to cast a Craterhoof-esque effect, and then swing across the board and wipe everyone off the, the face of the earth. I think that was incredibly an incredibly bold strategy and it paid off um turns are quick i thought it worked well for the timed commander where you know you're, you're playing your hand out it works or it doesn't and you keep trying to build a board state uh yeah we'll get into it later but this wasn't the last time that uh, elves had a, a decisive victory <laughs> it wasn't the last time elves were part of a decisive game either but we'll also yeah. get to that eventually um <laughs> Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. We also played multiple rounds of this, uh, not just for points, and I thought this was a super interesting format where, uh, namely, my favorite thing about it was it requires you not just to know, like, how to play out your current hand, but to know your deck very well. And, like, okay, like, what do I want to develop into? What do I want to aim for? Where do I want my tutors going? Where do I want any search effects aimed at? And since all of that is part of the clock, I thought that was a really cool test of skill and, like, test of deck knowledge. I think another thing was just, like, we played it a few times and we really got into, like, a good groove of just, like, like you said, we definitely fall victim to the whole, like, well, we're just chilling around. Oh, I I forgot to pay attention. Now I need to, like, think about what I'm going to do. Um, but just, like, really being snippy snappy about it, it uh, I think it not only just... It gave us time to play more games, but also uh, just got us better, like, mechanically at just making everything happen and, and really thinking through our plays beforehand, like you said. Yeah. Ch Chev did comment during the game, it is very anxiety-inducing. It leads to misplays. Uh, I chose to play Ur-Dragon uh, in this uh, game format, and 
I discarded the only dragon that I could play, which also would have let me draw cards. And would the, my game spiraled from there until Chev mercifully cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely, like, even, even though we... I think in both times we played, no one hit even close to, like, running out of time where it should really impact play. You're, you're always thinking, like, I need this time for later. I will need this time. So pushing yourself kind of at the edge. I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time with elves, especially even before the, the victory, I was doing a lot of tutoring. And I had to kind of like calm down and be like, if this pans out, I win. And if it doesn't, I'm probably out of the game. So taking that extra time, even then, like I could feel, you know, the cards are in my hand and I have to take a deep breath and be like, okay, I'm looking for something specific. Take the extra second here. You have it. Uh, even if you see the timer kind of counting down the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and for the rest of us, it was a wake up call because I was like, I was like, okay, Chev's doing his thing, but like, we're fine. And I was like, I'm just like making sure like, okay, I need, I need to get this and this, and then I can play this. Yep. Okay. And I can also afford my commander. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and then, and then Chev was like combat. And I was like, oh shoot. Yeah. We're definitely dead. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even realize this. I was, I was doing math in my head trying to save time. Um, yeah, I, I played Maelstrom for this elemental Maelstrom, uh, because I, seemed like it had a very straightforward game plan, which is essentially get to eight mana, cast Maelstrom, re repeat if he dies. <laughs> um, otherwise, just turn creatures sideways. But um, I think it actually ended up being maybe even to my downfall to have played that deck because there's a lot of just, like, triggers where it's just, like... Or there's a lot of unknowns, I, I guess you could say, where even if the plan is, like... 8-mana play Maelstrom, it's just like, okay, I'm flipping cards, I'm flipping cards, oh, I got a removal spell, now what do I use this for? I couldn't have planned in advance for this. And then, mm -hmm. like, oh, now I just hit, like, a Silvalo Stampede or something, and now it's just, like, boom, 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 okay, like, trigger, and now, like, I'm yeah. doing all these things, and I'm not a, I'm not a machine, obviously, so there's, like, time wasted there. Um, uh, to the point of, uh, or before, regarding the, the time limit, um, I think an interesting thing that probably affects the time limit that you should impose on uh, your playgroup if you're ever looking to try out um, a chess clock type format is the power level of the decks. And I would say we pretty much brought all sevens or eights to this event since we wanted to win but not have it be a CDH match, um, which maybe contributed to the why all the games took such a short amount of time, uh, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So maybe like... To start with 20 minutes, and then for every, you know, power level, subtract one minute, and then, like, go from there. Yeah. I'd say. I, I like introducing a formula that works exactly yes. with what we planned based yeah. on what we brought. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do genuinely think that, like, if you're out there playing pre-cons, uh, even if you're playing super on the spot and you know the deck super well, I think it'd be a struggle to finish a, a deck with only, like, 15 or 18 minutes of playtime on the clock. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Because, as Oak said, you, you just aren't a machine. <laughs> so, I believe Julian was crowned loser of that, even though me and him died at the same time. Uh, but for the purposes of selecting the next event, Julian went with Two-Headed Giant. Uh, what, was your, yes. what was your motivation behind picking that one, Julian? Um, well, so, yeah, like you said, we, we lost... Well, everyone, technically, I guess, lost at the same time. But uh, I got... Since I had not picked an event, I got to, I got to pick... And, um, I kind of just, I was between this and another variant that we were deciding. And I, I just kind of wanted to play two headed giant. So I picked it. That's all. I really just wanted to pick it. And then I wasn't sure, but then we decided this was for the best that we would put me and Oak together and Eric and Chev together, because the way it would work out is Oak and I were like a point apart. So if we won, uh, we would still be the same amount apart and it would just be kind of kind of a final showdown between us in the final in the final event because we had decided mm -hmm. we were only going to do one more event after this um and then if eric and chev won they would be i think like a point behind me so then it would theoretically be anyone because you guys i believe were tied yeah. um so yeah if you it, they would be like a point behind me so then it would theoretically be anyone's game in the final event so we decided that one i just wanted to play two at a giant um and two uh it would be uh it would be the most exciting narrative if we if we did it that way. So it was me and Oak versus uh, Eric and Chev and longtime listeners, or at least people who have listened since uh, Hex Drinkers uh, Olympics 2021, will know that Oak and I 
were in some two-headed giant action during that Olympics, <laughs> and it was it was maybe a little controversial. Um, uh, but but I will say, we came back, we won. Spoilers, we won, as as we always do, and it'll happen again next year too, maybe. Um, Not if my notes but, uh, clear. But this time, but this time, this time I was the one who carried the team, which felt excellent, and I got to play Chrome. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and I got to play Chromium, and he did everything that I would want to. So that was that was absolutely sick. I will admit yeah. there was one cool moment of this where uh, I was about to play uh, the uh, black green dragon from Strixhaven and untap all my lands and cast our dragon. It was going to be very cool. Uh, it got Tybalt's trickeried into. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What what is it? like primal genesis or something? Majestic, Majestic genesis, genesis yeah. uh, which then flipped over five dragons, including a dragon that made five five dragons whenever they a dragon entered the battlefield, uh, and so then that was super cool. And then uh, they can explain what happened the turn after that. <laughs> well, we had a, pro- oh, we had a problem on that. our hands because Eric now had a fuck ton of dragons uh, due to the randomness of uh, Tybalt's yeah. trickery. He also did like. He also did like twenty damage to our face because you. I think the turn before had played the the terror of the peaks or something. Yep. Is it, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was nasty. Yeah, that was a that was rough. having that sixty life but, um, pad. Uh, it definitely helped in the two added giant. That was that was yep. huge for sure, huge. But uh. Um. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. After that, I was able I was able to just play cleanup because you know uh, I will say. I did manage to land Ristic Study on turn three, which was pretty clutch in being yep. able to draw a bunch of cards. Um, but, uh, but I also did manage to get, I think, three of my four tutors during that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had Mystical Tutor, Demonic Tutor, and Grim Tutor. So, uh, I always kind of had a safety valve if I needed it. So I was able to Grim Tutor for, uh, Supreme Verdict and, and, and clean that stuff up, uh, which, which was good, which was yeah. necessary. For so sure. Julian played, uh, this, and this is our general strategy throughout the whole game. Julian would play board cleanup, and I'd play player cleanup. And so, <laughs> the, um, Julian, I believe, ended that turn with a, um, Alrun's Epiphany. We took another turn. I played a giant burn spell. Mm-hmm. We won the game. And the rest is... Yeah. I, I, my, my opinions <laughs> yeah. on Two-Headed Giant are kind of similar to, to Eric's, and I think... We'll, we'll go into it a little bit later, but it, it comes down to none of the decks I build just incidentally have good two-headed giant value. And this is something we talked about where, like, an extra turn spell is really two extra turns for the price of one. Um, almost and, three. Yeah, almost, almost three uh, in the late game. And then other things that are, you know, target opponent um, or each opponent then triggers double times. And when my decks are make a bunch of small creatures or destroy individual creatures or these things they just don't you know scale well uh to to massive burn spells or um things like that so i think i think they were they were fine and fun games but it's definitely like a hmm okay this was this was a time (laughs) chev and i i think certainly have strong feelings about the format of two-headed giant after for two years in a row uh, both of us losing I to think, extra turn spells. <laughs> not just losing to extra turn spells, but losing to extra turn spells late in the Olympics when we were already behind on points. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah. all right, well, uh, I'm trying guess... to I'm trying to keep the the, the personal emotions out of it um, and just be like, okay, which which cards here had the the biggest impact? Uh, but yeah, extra turn and then then some other stuff. So. All in all, it was like, all right, this was this was a fine time, but um, definitely. It's namely, uh, Oaks, uh, Oaks deck, I think you were running a lot of burn spells. Uh, to Again, as Jeff said, sort of take the emotion out of it, you're, you're running a lot of burn spells that say, like, X targets or target opponents. Yep. And that's able, just huge. Being yeah. able to target both opponents individually with, like, Jai's Immolating Inferno, right. for example, um, is, is basically just, like, you get an extra, like one-third bonus on your thing because you're essentially, as opposed to pointing it at two players who start with 40 life, you're essentially pointing it at one player who starts with 60. Um, mm-hmm. So you only have 30 life for each player to do, blah, 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 math. It just makes the spell more yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, I was glad I had that, for sure. <laughs> you guys crushed it. Yep. It was good. I'm just glad Chrome got, got to come through and, and do his thing. Yep. And, uh, 
I, I repay. A Lannister always, rep- a Leal always repays his debts, right? So I, I <laughs> came through, and we're good. We're clean. Well, yeah. after Chev and I suffered that horrific defeat, uh, we, Chev was able to choose the next format, and I opened the doors for bribes, which upsettingly no one took me up on. Um, but Chev, what, what, what did we end up cleaning things up with? You know, we um, we had to end it with uh, the the way that we we all got into this, and with all the bells and whistles of two headed giant, timed commander, budget commander, we got to end it with just a good old fashioned game of commander. See, so when you said how we all got into this. I was assuming uh, Julian was going to have to play a two hundred card pile of angels. <laughs> <laughs> we we back when we we started to get standards, but not when we had uh, the standards we do now. So got it, got good old fashioned game of commander. Uh, everyone brought their 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 best foot forward, even if the cards didn't deliver. Um, everyone was playing their their favorite decks, and elves came through. Time two. <laughs> this game was over quick. Uh, the the Olympics went out with a beautiful um, flame of glory ish ish uh, because the the final point totals the showdown between Julian and Oak just <laughs> didn't happen because everyone died at the same time. Yep. Um, truly a remarkable showing for for Reese and his first time back in commander play in the last five years or so. Indeed. Did I live that and then you had to kill me the next turn? Nope, everyone that? died. No, we, we all died. I, we all died. I thought there was one elf game where you were like, all right, Eric gets to live at three. I, it was it was the chess clock game. I yep. lived at like three, and then you were like, all right, yep. pass. And I was like, yeah. land, go. <laughs> this, game, this game, everyone died. Um, I had six mana open um, and a field of elves. Uh, I, it was unclear whether I had enough to fetch a crater hoof. Uh, so I, I did the tech with, I think it's Wirewood Symbiote, where you return a forest to your hand, untap a target creature. So I did that for someone who I think just made an elf permanent or something. Um, and then played the forest again, but of course it comes in untapped, gave me the eight mana, was able to cast a crater hoof and swing for, for victory. Now, for those wondering, sec, let's, talk, let's, let's not talk about the fact Hang that on a Eric... <laughs> you played one land for two mana, Chev? Why was that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I Eric, 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 I you gotta stop playing. You gotta stop playing that we, card, my guy. Eric. You gotta stop playing. It's time that for an card. intervention. Eric, Eric has this this love affair with Heartbeat of Spring, and I don't think I think maybe once it's been used uh, fully to his advantage in a way that actually won the game. But most of the time, opponents get to take advantage of that uh, in a in a broken way before he truly can. Listen, I <laughs> am trying to work on a solution to that deck. It draws so fucking heavy every game, except when it doesn't. Like, the, there were games, Ur-Dragon won multiple games this past week, where it just drew normally, and I got ramp spells <laughs> and lands. And then the two games where it was in pointed matches, it was like, oh, another dragon? No! <laughs> <laughs> That's another dragon dot deck. <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. After this uh, hundred dollar budget thing, I'll, I'm probably gonna hit, hit the air dragon deck up again and try and put some work into it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if for, for those listening at home, with uh, Oakley a point ahead going into two headed giant, maintaining point dominance uh, over Julian <laughs> in two headed giant, given they were on the same team, um, which has to be crushing to Julian, who advocated for randomness in the the two headed giant team picking, uh, who wanted the the opportunity. <laughs> I to did, come back. I I did, I did. But I did. Then I we did. go into the last game, and everyone gets a point equally who lost, and that made Oakley our uh, champion for the second year in a row. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't bode well for him next year. Um, <laughs> gotta say, there's probably going to be some some targeting going on. But that's what they this said year, last year. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really was confused, Chev, when you were just like, "I'm going to swing at everybody," and I was like, "You don't want to, you don't want to maybe change this up a little bit, maybe uh, you no know, bribery. Man. I don't know, maybe no bribery, bribery. no king making." I, I told Chev I was going to buy him all these drinks for In the evening. In good faith, uh, Julian did try to bribe me, um, oh. but as it turned out that evening, we only had one or two beers, so it wouldn't have been a, a, a very big bribe. Yeah, buying someone a large no, you just didn't do a the bribe, it's a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> That's not... I, I told him, I was like, whatever we do this evening, I've got you. <laughs> and then he just... Uh, just 
Target in the moment when you're like, I can't kill I don't know, everyone. Chef. <laughs> Chef, there might be some targeting going at you next Olympics. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've been betrayed enough. After Unfinity and that, it's it's going to be tough out here. Yeah. <laughs> so that made made Okar winner really from the, the final game group death and the, the hard-fought budget showdown, which didn't seem like it was going his way, but gave him enough points over Julian to really jump ahead. Uh, that gives... Bragging rights that allows him to pick an additional format for next year, which is how Popper uh, made it into this Olympics, even though it wasn't picked for an event. Uh, but also this time it came with a, an official wooded foothills with art of Santa Barbara that said <laughs> Olympics champion uh, 2022. So we'll have a picture of that up on our, our, our Twitter to show the, the, the true prize of, of victory. Uh, but uh, do, you, do you have a speech prepared, Oakley? My, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, hang on a sec. <laughs> Um, my Is that true... a takeout menu? <laughs> <laughs> the true prize was uh, the friendship and the fun times we had along the way. Mm. Um, and I mm. know we have something on this note sheet that involves, you know, favorite moments. And it, pretty much we all listed favorite moments from Magic events. But I definitely had some favorite moments over the course of this whole event that didn't take place during the Magic events. <laughs> Which, um... Yeah. For legal reasons, I will not just be discussing on this podcast. Hey, the kayaking was fun and legal. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, you're no, you're right. Yeah, that was that was what I was talking about. Yeah, um, <clears throat> surfing on kayaks. Right, well, never mind. Kayak surfing. That I was that was pretty epic. To... Yep. Kayurfing, in other words. No. Um, <laughs> never say that again. 